Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. dominated by the hopelessness and the unpredictability and and the I just it's hard to describe the cloud that hangs over an alcoholic family and uh, and 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 to grow up in that and to 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 sometimes just move from broken to broken it, it seems like that becomes a part of you and and it seems like you just can't win you know my, my brother, um, my eldest, did not go to college until a little, a little bit later. Uh, he's, he's very brilliant, uh, but he didn't go to college start until his mid-20s. And he went unsupported and uh, with, with no money and on a shoestring budget. He was so poor, this was in the 80s, he was so poor that he drove a Ford Pinto. <laughs> if y'all know what a Pinto You know, you tap the bumper and then you've got this mushroom cloud, you know. <laughs> I mean, you drive a Pinto, your pride, I mean, you're, you're humble, right? Or being humble, I don't know which. And one of, one of my brother Hal's uh, lowest days uh, of his seeming like he couldn't just win was when the transmission went out on his Pinto. And he had not a dime to, uh, to, to get it fixed. So he's there on the huge campus of Oklahoma University, and he's got to get from one side to the other. He's got this super prestigious job at that time of, of, uh, of mopping and cleaning toilets in a nursing home. That's a prestigious job, come on. And, and so his car's broken, so he borrows a friend's bicycle so that he can get to class. And on the way to class, the chain breaks on the bicycle. So he's a long way from class. It is a hot Oklahoma day, so he locks the bike up to the nearest uh, pole, and he begins to walk uh, several miles to class. And his flip-flop breaks. <laughs> <laughs> and not just a little, but now he's got one shoe. <laughs> so he's walking with one shoe and it's like, can it get any worse? And sometimes in life, that's the way we feel. But guys, I just want to say that, that this is too often the predominant mood of the modern church and the attitude of the church. Instead of the church being the hope of the world and plan A of the coming of the kingdom of God with the power to change every life and the power to change the 21st century world as radically as it changed the first century world, conquering empires, instead of that kind of a spirit, the, the modern church is in a radically different place. See, the reality is that, that, that we are, are really um, receding and losing the war of faith in America. And not because America is so bad, it's because the church is so unbelieving and so weak and so in, unconfident in the power of the life of Jesus and the wind that he's given us. So don't go blaming America and politicians. Church, you need to look in the mirror. The scripture says, if my people will call on my name, then I will come and heal their land. And, and, and we, we can't win when we're playing the dead games that the world is selling. You will never win any game that the world invites you into. 
You know, it's like going to a casino. Let me, newsflash, the casino, casino is not there to help you get ahead. <laughs> they're looking after number one and you ain't it, right? The game is rigged. They're going to they're gonna take in uh, the money and they're going to give enough just to keep you coming to empty your wallet. You cannot win. And in the same way, this broken world is rigged so that any dream you follow that is not God's dream, any path that you walk that is not God-given, church, any, any uh, you know, exercise or energy or, or, or you know, endeavor that, that the church will set itself on that is not God-given, you, you cannot win any of those games. Like a plane out of fuel, the gravity of sin will defeat every dream that is not given by God. And so if it seems like you cannot win, you need to stop and evaluate the life that you're living in the game that you're playing. And you need, perhaps need to give up the game that the world has sold you. It's a bill of goods. It's, it's fake. It's, it's false. It's a lie. And maybe you need to change the win that you're seeking in life. Because the truth is, if you can't win in life, if you can't win big in life, if you can't win in a way that is the celebration of your existence, if you can't win in, in such a way that, that you are overcoming and, and, and making an incredible difference, then how good can God really be? But the truth is, if we don't believe we can win, we won't even try. And that's really where the modern American church is. We're, we're just not trying anymore. The church in America, most average churches are about 75 in, in size. Nothing wrong with that, um, except if you're 75 this year and 75 last year, because there were babies born and the nation's growing. And, and for you not to grow is a sin against a holy God, whatever size you are. Back in the 1960s, about 60-something percent of, of America would be in worship on Sunday morning. Um, just a, a few years ago, somewhere around, you know, even as late as 2009 and 2010, um, you know, it was, it was way down. I mean, like we've dropped from 30% down to 18, 15%. And they're saying by 2020, uh, it will be way under 12%. Now, that's not the fault of, of the politicians. It's not the fault of, of America. It's the unbelief of the church in play. It's our lack of confidence in the win of Jesus. It is, it is our not believing our own gospel. It is us taking Jesus and somehow making Jesus completely irrelevant and, and distant from the needs of broken people. See, most believers in churches have embraced failure as a way of life. We don't believe we can succeed. We don't believe we can win the world. We don't believe we can accomplish the mission of Jesus. We don't believe that, that we really have the truth of God's word. In fact, the reality is that, that we don't believe Scripture is real world true. We don't. We, we, we live more, I can't, than I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we throw out the power of our gifting from eternity. Every single one of you is God-gifted from eternity past. God sat around for a few billion years dreaming you up. And as much as any of you have ever longed for a child, God longed from eternity past for you. And he designed you as you are supposed to be. 
have people uh, time to time comment on the attractive beauty of my baldness, you know? I just want to say, who am I to criticize the art of God? And, and I'm serious to say, what does it mean for you to believe that God has from eternity past designed you just the way he wanted you, maybe not for your purposes, but for his? And he delights in what he's created and he has gifted you. He has gifted you and you and I spend most of our lives longing for the gifts of others. And the reason that we do that most of the time is because instead of living in gratitude for the favor of God on our lives, we're living in sadness, longing for the applause of dead and dying people in this broken world. And that's crazy. You need to celebrate your giftedness. And you need to unleash it on the world creatively. You need to, to use your giftedness in the church. And by the, the church, I'm not talking about this building. The church is the living and breathing body of Christ, of, of people whose lives have been changed by the gospel, the good news of the grace of love. And you need to start living your life in a larger way. And you need to give up your own dreams that maybe you've bought from the world and you need to open up your heart to the God dreams that are, that are eternal and bigger and better than yours. And no matter how young you are or old you are, no matter how much you failed, uh, you know, God's dreams are not dead for your life. He is a God of new beginnings, a, a God not only of second chances. If, that, if God was just a God of second chances, I'd be dead. You know, I was born in 61, probably by 68, I was through, you know, you know. But our God is a God of infinite grace for those who dare to believe in his goodness. The truth is, most of us believe we're dealing with a disappointed God who's angry, instead of a loving Father who's forgiving. And most of us are, are not living our lives boldly in the world to change it for Jesus Christ. We're playing another game. I'm telling you, the church is the hope of the world. And we have to decide what we believe as time moves forward. One of the, one of the, the realities in my own life is that I'm, I'm at a place where like, I've got to begin again. When I was 17 and being called to ministry, I, I noticed that not many older pastors seem to be finishing well. I'm in a profession where 90% of those who start uh, early in life uh, fail before they, before they finish. 90% uh, fatality rate in, in, in my profession, burnout rate, dropout rate, failure rate. That's sobering. And at 17 and 18, I, I, I noticed the, the men who didn't seem to believe anymore. You know, when you're a young believer, you have, you have high faith and low knowledge. Right? I mean, you know, you're, you're ready to charge hell with a water pill, so you don't know which, you know which way hell is, but you know, you're, you're there. And as the years go by, here's what seems to happen to that high faith. It seems to decline. And, and the faith declines, now your knowledge begins to rise, and you, you know lots of religious stuff, and you, you buy into religious culture, and, and you may know Catholic ritual, you may know Presbyterian ritual, you, know, you may know Baptist ritual, so your knowledge increases, but your faith is decreasing. That's, that's wrong. It ought not to be that way. No birthday has really ever bothered me before, I gotta, I gotta admit. 21 didn't bother me because I wasn't gonna go out and get smashed, you know? 30 was not a big deal because... You know, 
29, 30, okay, whatever. 40, 40 was not a challenge, you know. Woohoo, 40. 55, I am stinking old. <laughs> Pastor Drew, this is midlife. I'm not living to 110. <laughs> I'm way past midlife. And I'm at that place in my life where I have to decide deep down what I believe about the win of Jesus. And whether life from this point is going to be, you know, increasing acting on knowledge and, and you know, out of a faith I don't have, or whether I'm going to join those young know-nothings and say, hey guys, let's, let's, let's go charge hell with a water pistol. Here's, you know, I just fill mine up, I am with you. Guys, the modern church is not trying much for God at all. We are racially divided, which is, I don't use this word much, but I am going to say it today, plain stupid. For, for people created in the image of God to be divided over uh, two millimeters of skin is the, the, the most insanity that I, I've ever heard, you know? We are brothers and we are sisters and every one of us was made by God on purpose in, in glory for, for his, his glory. And I'm going to celebrate that. <laughs> the church of Seven Run is obviously far from a, from a perfect church. And if it was a perfect church, I would ruin it by being here. But it breaks my heart that most of the churches that, that came into being, um, you know, in the last 18 years I've been here are, are the exact same size as they were 18 years ago. Guys, I'm not talking about mega this. I'm not talking about any particular size. What I'm talking about is the reality of the scripture that says all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and changing lives except it's not anymore in the modern church because it's lost its confidence. We don't believe we can win in the days to come. Our confidence in the power of what God simply says in his word is, is low, and so we dare little, we try little, we do little, and that has got to change. My commitment to you is whatever time I have left on planet Earth, it is, it is my my humble ambition to run with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my strength in love towards God and to lead uh, as boldly and, and strongly and powerfully as I can so that one day when you and I see Jesus, we see him not as a wimpy, um, you know, tired group of people who, oh, Jesus, thank you for coming and saving us from this wicked world. They were mean to us. And so we just gathered on Sunday inside of our buildings and, and we buried what you gave us in a hole. Jesus said, keep it safe. And here it is, Jesus. I don't want to be there. <laughs> 
I want to lead a church of, of broken and perfect people uh, out on the road into a world of broken people who don't know Jesus. And I want to dare to believe in the power of the gospel. And I want to see hundreds of lives changed as we move in the next 10 years to become a church of, of 5,000 people. Why? Because, because God can. You see, the truth, God has handed us the win in Jesus. He has handed it to us. And the truth is we're not good enough for God, and we never will be. So if you feel like you can't win because you're not good enough, welcome to my club. And then step out of my club and, and join the Jesus Club, which says, Jesus says, I am good enough. And my goodness will, will be enough to eradicate all of your sin, to secure the present, to, to lead you into a bold and kingdom future. You see, the point is Jesus is good enough for us all. And, and the gift he gives us is the gift of relationship. And it's the scandal of grace all the way. So stop worrying about whether you're good enough. Stop living in the unreality between your left ear and your right ear and start living not upon the words playing in your head, but upon the word of God, which says that you are loved, that you are forgiven, and, and that the issue is Jesus and his grace. The word of God says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. You didn't do it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work hard enough to get this. Guys, do you know what a freedom that is? It's like, ah, that's great. I don't have to act like I'm failing because I'm not being good enough because Jesus succeeded and all I have to do is accept the win he's handed me. Amen. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And the way we receive the gift is simply by faith. This win is, is accepting the, the, the gift of relationship, of life with Jesus. It's, it's living in the, the win of Jesus all the way home with power and confidence. It's life on purpose. It's life in passion. It's life on mission with Jesus as he said, go and make disciples. And I will, I will be with you to the end of the age, Jesus said, but go and make disciples. That's what the church of the living God does when it believes it's one. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, now where's the pride in that? Any of you all ever been rescued? Seriously, anybody here ever been rescued? Ain't a whole lot of pride in being rescued. When I was a kid, I, I dove into the deep end of the pool and I, I didn't bother thinking about little realities like I could not swim. So I'm down under the water. I remember to this day, I remember looking up at the top and, and, and the sun. I could see everything there, but I couldn't get there, <laughs> you know. And, and then the, the, the lifeguard, you know, dove in and pulled me out and pulled me over. I wasn't going, yeah, I did it. I nearly drowned and I got, you know, I got rescued. Guys, you and I don't have to worry about our own abilities. We just have to, to be grateful for the goodness of God in, in Christ as he rescues us and he brings us out of, out of the dominion of darkness into to light. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You have been brought near. I'm not good enough. Of course you're not. You have been brought near. 
Father searched you out, picked you up, cleaned you off, and carried you home. Father did it all. And all you have to do is let him. He's the one who's given us the win. We are brought into life not by being good enough or trying hard enough, but simply by believing Jesus can and wants to bring us near. Guys, I want to say the most important question that you will ever know is this. You'll ever ask is, is are you with me? Throughout the Old Testament, we don't have time, but throughout the Old Testament, this is the key question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, it is a, is a question that, that people of faith have struggled with since the beginning and will to the end. But resolving this question is everything in, in living a bold life. Are you with me? For most churches, the answer by the way they live is, God, no, you are not with us. We are alone, abandoned, weak, and unable, overmatched by the world around us. Are you with me, God? We ask it in our pain and we ask it in our struggles. We ask it in our loneliness and in our doubt. And if you and I live a falling down, shrinking back, full of fear, risk nothing, angry life, refusing to dream God's impossible, it's because you and I don't really believe Christ is beautifully with us. And we disregard the word of God in Romans 8.31, which says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And the implied answer to that scripture is what? Is what? No one, unstoppable. That's the believer, that's the church in Christ. But I want you to know that when Jesus said, follow me, that I believe that Jesus stops in life. I think that's what he's done in my life as, as I've passed into this 55 uh, realm and, and, and looked at me and said, Drew, are you with me? Are you with me? Until heaven is full and hell as empty as possible until every man, woman, and boy and girl in our region and world has a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our work isn't finished. And the church that lives refusing to attempt the impossible for God is basically calling God a liar. Because the word of God says in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. We don't have time to, to go through our history. I quickly just want to show you a few pictures. We were a church of, of a couple of hundred people with a budget of a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And before I ever came, this church of amazing faith had decided we need to relocate and we need to, to, uh, to build a bigger building because we have bigger beliefs about the possibilities of God. And, 
And, and this piece of land was an impossibility. For 26 years, people had been trying to buy this land. Our own realtor quit when I asked him to look at this land. Uh, he said, no, we've all tried to buy it. They will not sell it. In fact, right now they have a $2 million contract on it. So no, I'm not going to go look at the land with you. And he quit. And I said, well, you don't know what our God can do. That's my last words with the guy. Um, we, we wrote a letter. Uh, I, I sat down and penned a letter casting a vision of a church that would have a generational impact on our community, not just more houses, but, but the movement of God that could change a region. And I sent that letter. We looked in the tax records to the owner of this property, the Watts, and, and, but, 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 but I honestly remember, I, I'm embarrassed and ashamed to confess this. At one of the lowest points in, in, you know, so many things going wrong in the life of the church, uh, dead ends everywhere, 360 degrees, no way forward. I had that letter on the edge of my desk, leaning over the trash can, because a part of me was saying, I just can't win. We just can't win. This is impossible. And then the thought came, where did that thought come from? It wasn't the father. Put it in the mail snuck on that land a week later praying and got a call from Brenda saying, you need to get back in the office. There's a letter from the Watts. And that property, next slide, uh, just to give you context, that's what it looks like now because a church of, uh, of, of a couple of hundred people without money started an $8.5 million project. That's insane. But they did it. Next slide. And it was all just an act of impossible faith. We just dared to believe that nothing was too hard for God. We dared to believe that if we cried out and asked God to, to help us change the world, that he would. We, we dared to believe that our God was a listening God who was not tired or weary or worn out, but was just waiting for, for people to seek his face and to call upon his name and that he would answer every prayer. And, and God did that uh, in, in amazing ways. And so from these beginnings, next slide, um, I mean, that's, you know, the pick some mud, you know, that's where you are right now. Next slide. Um, that, that process. And right now, under this carpet are written the names of, of men and women and boys and girls who were lost, who this church was going to be praying for and, and seeking to reach. You are, you are sitting on, on the names of, of people that, that, that God dreamed of knowing. Next slide. And this is why we do what we do, not for buildings, but for life. The first baptism in this building right there
That's why we do what we do. So that every one of God's sons and daughters who is beautifully and passionately loved can be, can be won and drawn into personal relationship with him. Guys, if we believe we've already won, we will live the win boldly. Anybody recognize this guy? <laughs> who is this? Who's the guy right behind him? It's his running partner, 21 years old. Who? Degrassi, right, okay. So, so what, what does that say to you, that, that smile? <laughs> let, me, let me ask it a different way. Who in this picture knows they've won? Guys, I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus, the church of the living God has to have a, a new rebirth of confidence in the word of God, the mission of God, and the son of God. I'm telling you that the church in, in this, this time, in this age, with a, with a nation very afraid, we need to be a church that is very strongly offering them a way forward. And I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus, if we believe we've already won, we will live the wind boldly. There'll be a difference. Amen? The Word of God says, go now, it will be done just as you believed it would. As we look at the future and the days to come, I, I'm not about building buildings, but the truth is there are people out there who don't know Jesus. And God isn't tired. He has unlimited resources. And if you and I will just trust him and just believe and, and throw out this defeatist, we can't, uh, you know, embarrassed by Jesus' attitude. Come on. You're going to stand before God one day and you're going to watch these people you were afraid of get on their knees and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Come on, guys. Let's have some confidence now. The boss you're afraid of, the neighbor, all of these people, I want you and I to, to dare to believe what we believe and, and know that, that having already won, we can live with a new kind of confidence and we can, we can live differently from this point forward. I'm praying for the day that the church of the living God rises up and when, when they hear Jesus say, surely I'm with you always to the end of the age, that there's a new confidence and a new spring in our step because we're not just walking through life as failures. We're walking through life successfully in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, and, and coming soon to, to all of us. That's our destiny. That's our way of life. And so some of you today... You need to resolve this question of whether you're a loser or a winner in Christ. You just need to resolve it. I'm not talking about a change of feelings. I'm talking about a decision that you make in your heart of hearts that is not based on your feelings, but is based on Jesus. And to say that, that, that I believe that Jesus Christ has handed me the win, that, that he is with me, not because of who I am, but first because of who he is. You need to resolve whether you believe in all of your pain, all of your trouble, all of your trial, whether Jesus is with you. Are you with me, Jesus? If you don't answer that question with an exclamation point today, you may be forfeiting the rest of your life.
you may be forfeiting the dreams of God and, and the blessings of hundreds of other people who could have used your creativity, your gifting, your, your largeness, but you shrank back and you lived small because you believed you weren't good enough for God to be with you. I'm asking you, church, in the name of Jesus, to resolve the question of whether or not you believe he is with you in a victorious, unstoppable, eternal kind of way. And church, who've been called to follow Jesus, I want to ask you, in the next 10 years, for us to step up our game, to get outside of these walls into a broken world, to be sharing our faith. We've baptized 445 people so far in these last 10 years. I'm telling you that I believe with all my heart, I have asked God for this, that there will come a day soon where we're baptizing 300 people in a year. If less than one out of three of us shared our faith and won one person a year to Jesus, we would baptize way over 300 people. And so here's, what I, here's the image that I want to leave you with. Jesus standing before us saying, follow me. Follow me into victory. Follow me into the wind of, of my love. Follow me into the kingdom that is coming and can come as powerfully and as really as it, as it is in heaven this moment. Follow me. And I want us to answer the question. When we hear Jesus say, are you with me? Our answer will be? Yes. Church, I'm going to do the best I can to lead you into the future that God has. For the glory of God. Are you with me? And let's live this day marking it as a change of confidence, a change of, of direction, a change of joy until we see Jesus face to face every day, every moment with him in the wind. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.